The Cleveland Guardians lose a very winnable game today. Bases loaded, nobody out. You have to get a run across. We're going to talk about what went down, what went wrong, and what frustrated me. We're going to talk about why I was not streaming in the ninth inning to try to continue my counter luck. And we're going to discuss some trades that people have been asking me about on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for checking out today's edition of Locked On Guardians. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Blue Nile, whatever type of jewelry you want, they have an amazing original piece for you. Uh, so my name is Jeff Ellis. I'm the host of Locked On Guardians. Before this, and even concurrent, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst over at Scout and 24-7. I wrote for Indians Prospect Insider all way back in the day. And uh, I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. If you are so inclined, I'm going to throw this out there. I just wanted to talk draft this morning. I saw a bunch of mocks dropped. And I just, like right now I'm recording during nap time. We've got the monitor right here uh, in case I have to pause and run up. But I was also, I was like, okay, during long nap, I, I don't know if I'll have time. I don't know if I can record this enough so I just did a stream on my personal account. Um, you can go find that on my Twitter profile at Draft. If you want to hear me do 41 picks, uh, top of my head, not writing things down. I mean, I'm looking at a list uh, for the picks and for the players. But uh, yeah, uh, it was just something if that is if you want more draft content, it's just in my personal account. There's not a whole lot on my personal account. Like You can also go there and see like the very first Lockdown Guardians podcasts when they had me like have a use a terrible green sh- green screen. When it was incredibly stressful, and yeah, I was just like freaking out about it. Uh, so you can see some of that those early days of uh, the video side of this podcast. So today's show, this was a frustrating game. Should we just get into the frustrating part of it, the part that made me like, you know, want to yell into my phone as I'm watching it occur? So in the seventh inning, right, Joe Smith comes in and. You have, what, a single by Oscar Gonzalez, and then Fran Mill hits a double, and then they hit Andres. So the bases are loaded with nobody out. And then you let three of the worst hitters in baseball. Uh, you know, I pulled up the list, if you're curious. If you expand the minimums to uh, 100 uh, at-bats this year on fan graphs, Ernie Clement is the 26th worst hitter in baseball. Uh, Miles Straw is like 47th, and um, Luke Maley doesn't have enough at-bats, but he is not far from there. Uh, if he had enough at-bats to qualify, he'd probably be even lower, and he would be down there. They are three terrible hitters. And then you have two infield outs where the guy gets thrown out at home. And I know there's people like, well, Fran Mill didn't run hard enough. Yeah, he needed to just put his head down and go right to the base. I don't know why he was like looking around or pulling up. I think he like thought it was going to be a double play or thought I'd, I don't know what he was thinking that was dumb as well like he just needed to run through there's a chance that uh, he gets there safely if he just puts his head down and runs but also doesn't change the fact that they were just miserable at bats by guys he shouldn't have even been hitting and I understand to a degree 
And this is part of the problem with how this lineup is constructed right now, right? Where when they do what they did today in terms of the Guardians lineup, they have no infielder on their bench. They have no one who can go play third base. Uh, When you got everyone there, you know, their bench was essentially Josh Naylor, who's, you know, a bad outfielder, first baseman or DH. You have Austin Hedges because he had the off day. You have... um, no, Clement was in. Richie Palacios, who played some second base last year, but hasn't has not played played one game or third in a summer league. Uh, you know, they just didn't have the guys to run out there. It's who, Stephen Kwan, who's an outfielder only. So they had a bench with three outfielders and a catcher. So Ernie Clement has to hit, and that's kind of the problem. They don't have anyone who can really play third. And I know the thought process is like, okay, pinch hit for Naylor. Though I'm probably going to use Naylor in that situation because, we'll, we'll, like I said, we're going to spend this whole segment on it. Uh, but you you have Naylor go to first, and then you move Miller to third, right? You can just move him across the diamond. He when did he last play? I was I have his stats right here. So his third base play was in the majors. It's been come on, where's that data? Eight games. He started four there for a total of 36 innings at third. And in the minors at third, he's at 27 games, 26 starts, 224 innings. Uh, he didn't play particularly well. The The data on it is, is pretty ugly. Like He's a pretty terrible. But if you only want someone for a few innings, yeah, fine, you make it work. But when you don't... Clement is not good enough to be this guy who's going to go in there and play when they face a lefty. He's just not. Like He is not good enough to play against lefties. And Devin Smeltzer is not, yes, he's been trouble for the Guardians, but he's not a good lefty. He is only up there because they have five starters injured. Don't adjust your lineup. It's great that at least he let Andres hit today, and I also get you want Jose to rest. But then this is this is the problem with the way the lineup is constructed, is the... Again, you know, if it happened from time to time, it'd be okay okay with Clement doing that as a fill-in. But he's just not a good hitter. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage by playing him every time there's a lefty. And it came back to bite him. And Luke Maley is not good. You know, they don't have anyone, a catcher, who can hit. And after a nice rebound performance yesterday, Miles Strauss, you know, went back to struggling. And he's, uh, you know, not someone who... I'm sure I could pull up his, his split data, but it's, you know, as... He is a right-handed bat, so he should do get better against lefties, but he's scuffling massively right now. He's, uh, like I said, he's one of the worst hitters on the Guardians. He's not as bad as Clement. Clement is literally the worst hitter on the Guardians statistically right now, outside of maybe Hedges. I'd have to go look and see. I, I closed the team runs created plus. But, yeah, it's just that sending those three guys out with the bases loaded is foolishness and it feels like well it's the seventh we can't go out and make big changes it's like no in a tight game against your division rival in a battle for first place you go and you make that you pinch hit and then if caleb theobar comes in i'd still rather trust kwan against him i would trust josh naylor's like a 76 runs created plus against lefties for his career that's still like 20 to 30 points ahead of everyone at the bottom of this lineup Stephen Kwan's at 100, I want to say. You know, it, there's a lot of parts and pieces going on, but, like, it's ridiculous to be afraid of the lefty matchup when the guys you have out there are not good. 
not good at all. They are solid, okay bench types, but they're not the type of players you want in starting in a situation like this. They're not the guys that you want out there when the game is on the line hitting. And to be a and, and Caleb Thielbar, like he's solid lefty reliever. He's not great. You know, look at the numbers on him. He has been hittable. He's got, for a guy who's been, in some regards, a loogie, I think guys are hitting close to 250 off of him. I, that's that's not, a loogie should have a much lower batting average against. You know, ERAs are weird with relievers, but the ERA is trash. Like, he's not someone to be afraid of. And guess what? If they had pinch hit and then Thielbar comes in, then he's not available in the ninth. And then all of a sudden they're down another pitcher, yeah, maybe Duran stays in, and I mean, with the way he was going, uh, that may not be any better. But you take away their their one lefty reliever from them by pinch hitting, and then you you get better hitters out there. Even against Caleb Thielbar, those guys are better than what we had. Instead, it was one of the most frustrating innings of the year because bases loaded, nobody out. This is a chance to break it open. And they send out three guys who are fringe major leaguers. Miles Straw isn't a fringe major leaguer. Miles Straw is a solid major leaguer due to his defense. But right now he is scuffling so badly that he is playing like a fringe major leaguer. It was just a terrible decision all around. I question all parts of it. Again, if it's the ninth, you know they're pinch hitting. And again, even if the loogie comes in, your hitters that you put in are better against lefties than the guys you have out there right now are... Uh, against a right-hander, against Joe Smith. I mean, Ernie Clement against Joe Smith, but th- th- that's what's going to happen. I mean, Joe Smith is essentially a roogie, so you're just setting yourself up for failure. Ernie Clement is, you know, he's not good enough just to be a lefty-only platoon guy, and let alone you leave him in against the righty. But they didn't have, unless you're going to, like I said, rotate your whole infield around and put a guy at third who really hasn't played there very much at all, um, or your other option is then to pinch it for your catcher, but it's a whole idea. Well, Hedge, um, Hedges needs the whole day off. I mean, I, I understand guys need rest, but he can't come in for like two, three innings. You can't maybe do have a few other games where like Maylee plays and Hedges rests like half the game. There can't be, you got to figure out a way to do it. You can't just sit there in an important situation and instead just punt it and then lose a game one nothing because you punted it. We're going to take our first break here. We'll come back and talk about the overall performances in this game. I talked to my at the top of the show. Blue Nile is one of our sponsors, and they have original, interesting jewelry. It's not just you know what you see when you go into your traditional store. It is fine jewelry. It is wedding jewelry. You can build the engagement ring of their dreams. Blue Nile has simple online tools to let you choose shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. And their bench jewelers will handcraft the perfect engagement ring. Each one's one of a kind, and that's what stands out with Blue Nile. It is one of a kind. It is not cookie cutter. It is fine jewelry that people will ask about. It is jewelry. You don't want to give someone something that's forgettable. This is non-forgettable jewelry. This is something that stands out, whether it be engagement, fine jewelry, wherever you are looking for, you'll find the perfect gift over at BlueNile.com. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of 500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured and ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Our other fantastic sponsor is Bet Online. You know Bet Online. You love Bet Online. 
been our sponsor for probably our second longest running sponsor on the network. If BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info, find the latest sports development, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, going back into this game, now that we've... Like I said, it was was a poor decision. It's the second night in a row a very poor decision was made, and this time it cost them the game. Who reached base twice in this one for Cleveland? The answer would be nobody. They had five hits and a walk. Well, actually, uh, that's wrong. Uh, Andres would have because he did get hit by a batter. Hit by a batter? No, he got hit by a pitch. He was a batter who was hit by a pitch. I've forgotten. So was Rosario. So Rosario and uh, Jimenez. And I'm just going to say Andres. Here's the problem. So, like, when it comes to pronunciation, I know I already talked about this once this week. So I've been listening to a lot of -of out-of-town broadcasts. And, you know, I've been saying Emmanuel Classe forever. And it's like, I listened to the Dodgers ones. And I kept calling him Clace, Clace, Clace. And I'm like, maybe that's the correct one. And, you know, I did go today and actually check. I wanted to look that up and be like, which one is it? I'm pretty, and it's Classe. I was right. But when you listen to the out-of-town broadcast, sometimes you get that. And then it all gets jumbled in my head. But to get back, Andres and Rosario both reached base twice in this one. Uh, Cleveland had five hits, a walk, and a hit batter. So that gives them eight opportunities to have zero runs and eight opportunities. And they had three extra base hits. That's really unusual. Like normally I would say they should have had two to three runs. Other side of things, two walks for for Minnesota didn't have any hit batters. So they only had seven opportunities and they got one run. Also low, uh, double and a home run for them. The home run being the only way, you know, this might've been Zach Plesak's best start of the year. He picks up the last six innings. Three hits, two walks, one earned run. Uh, Trevor Steffen has a nice, you know, he's continuing to pitch well. After that little hiccup in there, he is back to being dominant. Eniel De Los Santos has been quite the revelation for this team in the bullpen as well. Pitching was good. Hitting-wise, and Owen Miller with an O for, he just keeps sinking. Like, that's that's one of those other things to really honestly discuss. Like, at some point... Like, Ahmed's hitting a while. He's still not over a 100 runs created plus. He had this stretch last year. He's an average bat. I still don't know what they do with him. Because he's, like, going to be worth about 2.5 war. That's not great. And he's nearing being a, you know, what he's doing right now could be elevating his value to another team. I mean, you, if you want to be very mercenary about it, uh, with, you know, everyone that's hurt in Los Angeles. It's like, we can keep coming back to that. I don't know, you know, what trade even makes sense, but they're a team that does still have, you know, aspirations for the postseason. And Rendon is down, and uh, I believe Fletcher is down, and they're just a hot mess. And the reason, again, you talk about making a deal like that is because he's not a centerpiece. Like, Ahmed Rosario is not a guy that necessarily a good team goes out of their way to keep he's not an elevator you know he's a solid player but he's not really someone who's I would be surprised to ever see him have like a four win season for instance he's going to be a good above you know average starter I don't know how much beyond that there is and again he's going to be a free agent in one and a half years so looking at just the Guardians lineup 
and how they were playing today. It's like Miller is cratering back to earth. Ahmed is playing well. Uh, Jose is, of course, Jose. Oscar continues. I just, it, it's it's crazy to me that like he had a walk today. Like he is walking so much more than he ever did in the minors. He's almost not the same hitter he was in the minors. It's it's interesting to watch, but he continues to be a strong uh, competitor. Uh, Franmil had a big double. It just they couldn't get it across. Some questionable base running. Andres continues to keep it going as well and you know, be one of the top second basemen in baseball. And then the bottom of the lineup is the bottom of the lineup. And, you know, we talked about yesterday's show, this idea of, like, what trades can they do to improve their team? What can they do? And we'll talk about that more in segment three. But just looking at where they are right now, it, it you're look, it, right now I feel pretty comfortable with Josh Naylor at first base. He has been rather consistent, uh, maybe not as high as the peaks were, but he's been a consistent performer for most of this year. Rosario, I guess if you're going to – he's fine at shortstop. But, again, it's more the fact that he is nearing the end of his contract. He is a one-and-a-half-year player, which is more why I'm looking, considering him a tradable asset than anything else. Um, also, because he's not great at short. He just doesn't have much range. Andres has established himself. Jose has established himself. So you're looking at the infield, shortstop slash second base. You need probably one player there. Outfield. They gave Straw that big contract for his defense. He's he's a streaky streaky guy. We'll see what happens with him. He's not going anywhere. Uh, so you're, he's he's in center. He's locked in. Stephen Kwan is you know he's played kind of on the fringes. He had the the he struck out to to lose the game today. Uh, not that that's on him, but it's also frustrating. So kind of funny. I was I paused the game. And the reason I didn't stream the game, you know, to try to reverse jinx a close game in the ninth here, uh, it was my son's nap time. Like I said, I'm recording right now as he's napping. I'm looking at him with his feet sticking out of uh, the crib. He, I, you know, you have to hit. <laughs> he's 10 months old. I, I don't get to put off nap time just because I want to watch the end of the game. So you pause it, you come back. And I'm watching the game and on my tablet, which is an older tablet. It's a tablet I got back when I lived in Ohio. And, you know, if any longtime listeners in the show knows, my first year hosting the show was when I was in Ohio. It runs out of battery relatively quickly. And I, it's, it's, you know, I need to upgrade at some point. I still like having tablets. I know they're kind of a, a thing of the past in a lot of regards. But so I got the tablet. And right after, right as Andres makes that hit and the ball lands, and I, you, they're, you know, saying he's going to get extra base hits, it dies. I'm like, that's very appropriate. And then literally as it dies, I get the pop-up on my phone about the score that the Guardians have lost. <laughs> it's like, I was like, man, are they, is there a chance here? Is something happening? This is, this is taking a little bit longer. I didn't, I expected to come out of, you know, kind of the, the reading books and the rocking and getting him calm. And just, I, I thought the game would be over already. What's going on? But they entered this situation where, you know, you get the runner again on second base and they just not able to take care of it in the ninth and again Ernie Clement he is a perfect last guy in your roster can handle multiple positions solid defender runs well don't know why with the tying run at second base you're letting him hit because again even what he does against righties is much worse than say what Josh Naylor or Stephen Kwan do against lefties you're focused too much it's weird how they're how focused on the platoon Tito is to the point that he just he ignores the the rest of the data. He doesn't even look at, you know, okay, so yeah, they, they've got an advantage, but you ha- you are at such a disadvantage with that hitter that you don't you ignore it. 
And you sit there, and Josh Naylor never comes off the bench. One of your best hitters this year just sits there. When you have multiple, what, one to five chances with a runner in scoring position late in the game, and one of your top five hitters just sits on the bench. It's frustrating, to say the least. Um, and this is the person who's calling to platoon him normally, but it's, again, to platoon him with Owen Miller at first base, which they kind of did today. Uh, but in this situation, like, Ernie Clement is a good dude by all accounts. I've always heard he's a fantastic teammate. He does all the little things. I'm not saying he shouldn't be on this roster. I'm just saying he shouldn't be, he shouldn't have 100 at-bats by now on this roster. That's not, if you're, you're overexposing him and he's, you're not getting anything out of him. Uh, you are, his net value is going to be negative when you give him that many opportunities. But right now, like I said, you look at this team, you assume Quan in an outfield, Straw, and then Oscar. So you're actually pretty okay in the outfield. It's a question if you trade a med, you need an infielder and catcher is a black hole. Right? So we're going to take our third break here. We're going to come back and talk about what a Wilson Contreras deal might look like. I'm also going to go back. I talked about um, Pablo Lopez of Miami yesterday. We're going to go back and discuss what that deal might look like. Uh, as well, because after I discussed, like, oh, I don't know if they trade him. I mean, Jim Bow, Jim Bowden, Jim Bowden, uh, one of like two people to block me on Twitter and uh, listen. He was part of an order. He he was the GM when people under him, very high up in his organization, were stealing money from poor Latin kids, and he turned evidence to avoid any trouble. Now there was never explicitly stated that he did anything, but. It's a pretty shady situation. And then he very clearly stole data, uh, stole information from a fake account and trying to claim it as his own and got caught and deleted his Twitter for a bit or suspended it. Like there's there's enough shade there that it is. I don't go to him for anything, any analysis. Now, he was also held water for the owners because the reason he got a job in baseball was because his college roommate was the son of the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that's where he started his um, his time in the game. He is still connected to those people. So when I see a list from him, there's value in that. I'm not looking at the analysis. I'm just looking purely at the lists. But he also listed him there, which made me think, huh, maybe there's a chance he is a tradable asset. So we'll talk about all of that in our third segment. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire. Add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers Visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash lockedonmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonmlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. I'm just sitting here like, okay, he rolled over. Is he sleeping? Is he awake? He's he's still sleeping. So I didn't give the three stars. Three stars in this one. I think it's pretty easy. Zach Plesak had a great start. Um... Andres had a double and reached with the hit-by-pitch, and then uh, Ahmed had a single and reached with the hit-by-pitch. So, yeah, so I think I said earlier, that's how Ahmed reached before the Fran Mill double. And I think I misspoke, but I'm pretty sure that's how he reached before the double. 
but those are the three stars in this one. I don't think um, we really need to revisit this annoying game. And I know, at the end of the day, if you told me they take two out of three from the Twins, I'd be like, great, fantastic. But the fact that they very easily could have swept them, because it's, it's, this is a rough uh, stretch. It's such a rough stretch. I don't want to give away any games in a stretch like this. But it could have very easy. This wasn't like a blowout game. This wasn't like this past weekend against the Dodgers where like Saturday was a game where they got manhandled. No, this was a very, very bases loaded, nobody out in the seventh. You're down by a run. That's a game you should win. And that's going to be my final statement there. So I get a lot of questions about trades because trades are always interesting. And um, Brandon, who, uh, or is it Brendan? Sorry, dude. Either way, uh, Dibble, I want to say. Uh, you know, if I mispronounced your name or said the wrong name, just consider yourself part of an illustrious group of like every baseball player in the league. Uh, he asked, he's been talking to his buddy about like, what does a trade for um, Wilson Contreras look like? And I am terrible at trades. I always say that. I'm very upfront and honest about that. It is interesting right now when I go to the MLB trade site. Now, again, grain of salt. Uh, they are not um, the bestest site in the world or anything like that. They are a they're they're an interesting look and let's just kind of drop it at that uh it is interesting that Contreras even though he's a rental is at a 13.7 which feels high to me for a 30 year old catcher who's not a great defender like he's a below average defender who is you're not even getting a full season um so like what would look like a similar trade well one Luke Maley, you send back the other way because that clears a spot, and then it also gives them a solid backup behind Jan Gomes. Maley, if you're surprising to me, maybe not to you, worth 1.1. And then what I'm looking at, when you look at the the minor leagues for the Twins, heavy on outfielders. Top prospects are outfielder. Uh, I think like three of their top five are considered are outfielders. Like This is a team that has a lot of outfield prospects. Not as much for pitching, especially like super close to the majors. I know they did draft Jordan Wicks a year ago, but he's like barely hanging on to the top 10 for them. I'm not even really looking at their current roster when I look at something like this. It's just I'm looking at the pieces that are, you know, around. So I, I think there is value in. So when I look at a deal like this, I always want to trade from an area of strength. So if you're looking for Wilson Contreras, the deal I put together in front of me here uh Contreras being worth 13.7 and then the trade value of 12.8. So maybe a win off. But again, I think Contreras is a little inflated. Jose Tenya, who, you know, had that great Arizona Fall League. He is one of some places considered, you know, one of the top 10 prospects in the system. He's just so, and there are people who think that he's got, you know, the highest ceiling amongst the shortstop prospects. He's just so far down the list. Like, that's what it is for me. He's already on your roster, and he's far down the list, and he's not going to help you this year. He may not, I mean, he maybe will help you next year, but there's no guarantee of that. And that's why, for me, I'm willing to, like, kind of put him as a centerpiece. I think his value has gone up and down. He hasn't been great in AA. You know, that, that's part of the problem. His value has definitely started to sink a little um, relative to everything just because he's he hasn't done much in AA Akron this year. Uh, 268 average, 295 on base, 371 slugging, walking under 4%, striking out over 27%. But the people who came from Cleveland have to be familiar with him, know why he was viewed as like a kind of a higher end prospect. So I think he is kind of interesting in that regard. And you're not trading one of the big pieces, I think, is, is what stands out with that. You're trading an interesting player, but you're not giving up one of your 
in my opinion, not one of their top 10 prospects. I know some people do have him listed there. So who do I consider next? Well, I want to throw a name out there as a secondary piece of, I was just looking through the list, of Xavion Curry. And again, this is a player who's probably undervalued on a lot of places and sites, and he has, I want to say he's had some health issues this year, and that's why he hasn't maybe gotten all the reps of um, a few other players. He is one of the many guys in AA Accra, and he's got a solid pitch mix. He looks like a future starter or a future reliever. Uh, I mean, he's got a 383 FIP, a 404 average. His strikeouts per nine are almost 11 with a walk per nine of 2.45. Home run per nine is high, but we talked about why that's not a big deal to the Guardians. There's a lot of indicator stats that are very positive for him. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, He is the one who was at the, I think the, he had the, was it the curveball was the really big out pitch for him at Georgia Tech. And he's out of velocity. He's a good athlete. There's a lot of positives. I think he was like 11th in Fangraph's listing of top prospects in system. And he needs to be 40-man added. And then as kind of a flyer, a third piece to just help get this across without giving up massive pieces, Lenny Torres, former first-round pick, last two years ago was considered a top-10 prospect in the system by most people, has not fully come back from his injury Uh, I think how people were hoping and or expecting him to. He hasn't really broken out. He's another guy who is Rule 5 eligible at the end of the year. He's been working as a starter. I'll be honest. He's one of those guys. I'm like, he's going to just put him in the pen. Fastball slider. It's a super quick arm action. Uh, The fastball should be a potential plus pitch. We'll see. You know, the, the change is coming on, but the fastball slider combo, control issues, you know, again, he. this is the first season back. For, no, last year was the first season back from Tommy John. I, but a first-round pick who a lot of people have liked, he's not performing particularly well, but he's kind of a, a lotto ticket, which is why he kind of makes sense as a third piece. And honestly, no one's protecting him. The Guardians, he's, he's, he's not quite the Will Benson level, but he's close in terms of a first-round pick that doesn't stand a high chance of being protected. Um, if you wanted to, instead of Torres, try to give them a little bit more value to try to balance it out. Just looking at their site, it's like, oh, well, I'm looking at the Cubs guys, not the Guardians guys. But I think Curry, Tenya, Maley is at least the beginning. And then you can argue the third piece, you know, maybe Pete and Beatonfield instead of. Maybe they get another arm who's having, you know, he's having some struggles there. Um I was trying to think. You know, some of these are, this is the thing, their site isn't updated. Like, Milan Tolentilo is, is at a 2.6. That's not it's not how this works. Like, his value has definitely gone up. Um, just looking at things. Maybe, you know, throw a name out there for a third piece is pretty far down the list. Carson Tucker, former first-round pick, who just hasn't really put it together so far in the minors, has had health issues. Uh, but people really liked. And again, the front office in Chicago is the front office that was you know, previously in Cleveland. So it makes sense to look at a deal kind of like that. Just can't keep these under 30 minutes anymore. And then, so that's kind of my idea. My basic idea is Avion Curry and Jose Tenya. You include Maley. And then guess what? When Contreras leaves as a free agent, you've opened up three roster spots. Well, two roster spots and one player you are likely to protect. You don't have to protect anymore. Uh, and then on the other side of the thing for the Cubs, it's two guys you have to protect, but two guys who, I mean, Tenya would, would, break in their top 10 curry might well 
depending on how the draft goes. You know, they're going to add some talent in the draft, but they'd be very close to uh, entering their top 10. I don't know. Any Cubs fans out there, what are your thoughts? Let me know. Hit me up on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And very quickly, because I promised it as well, let's talk about Miami. Let's talk about the Marlins. So the general feeling on this Marlins team is that, you know, they Edward Cabrera is hurt. We talked about yesterday. Like, who would they trade one of these two pitchers? It's, you know, it's Lopez or it's... And Lopez has enough control that he makes sense to the Guardians. He fits their style in terms of walk rate and everything else. Um, I guess I need to, like switch teams just to kind of clear that I should have cleared the trade. Um, but yeah, so according to the the website, Lopez's value is at 57.3, which makes sense because he's had some good years. He's a, a proven, relatively proven pitcher with lots of control. He should be incredibly valuable. So on the other side of things, what does Miami want? Miami wants a potential left-handed power middle of the lineup bat. They're a, a team that could use that. Center field. Uh, has been something they've been searching for forever. Jesus Sanchez, um, he's been close to league average. I think that J.J. Blade is definitely falling down prospect list, as is Peyton Burdick, who are guys who they thought maybe could be the answer there. Uh, but, you know, they got Max Meyer. They got six still currently pitching, or is he still hurt? He's still hurt. But Sandy Alcantara has been great. Uh, Braxton Garrett, the former first-round pick, has pitched well. Trevor Rogers, you know, they expect a rebound, but my they have kind of the high end. And again, this is a team that's currently four games under 500. So if you trade a Lopez, maybe you get pieces for the future. Now, this is where it gets tricky because what I approach you with if you want Lopez is you got to trade something to get something, right? And I just need to clear the trade because it keeps wanting to go back. When I brought the Guardians back, it brought back what I had there. Um, you got to trade something of value and Miami doesn't want a full rebuild. So you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to trade you a bunch of, you know, prospects down the board like you could with the Cubs, right? That doesn't just doesn't work. You need to give them someone who could help them. Maybe not this year, but like next year, they need someone who could move right in and no, calm down. I'm not, not saying George Valera, though he would fit what they want. You could not quite a one-to-one there. Cause again, I think, uh, looking at all the peripherals, um, you know, Lopez is, is a really good get for a lot of reasons. But I'm not going to recommend that. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend any trade, really, with George Valera unless it involves like Juan Soto plus an extension. I guess here's my question for Guardians fans, though. We have to give a centerpiece that makes sense, someone who could either be a middle-of-the-order bat or play center field. So we're talking about value on this team. That player is is Valera or it's Stephen Kwan who are you willing to discuss because Stephen Kwan can probably play center field at least average and be a good enough hitter to be you know exactly what Miami has been looking for there do you trade him already that is a hard question when I sat there and tried to make trades last night when I was thinking about this. That is tough to figure out because of what he has meant to this team, what he has value-wise. But then what do you trade? If you if you don't want to trade either of those players, it's like, okay, so what is a trade that actually makes sense? 
And I know everyone going there is like, well, Miles Straw's got a value of 42.8. Yeah, his value is not there right now with the way he's playing. Again, the site has not been updated. It is, it is a fun site to play around with. Don't take anything as gospel. So again, if you're looking at depth and then just looking at the Marlins system, they have pitching at the top. They need outfield help because, I mean, I called it at the time it happened. Avisel Garcia was a terrible signing. Sanchez hasn't stepped up. Uh, Jorge Soler's been good. Garrett Cooper, the DH, has been fantastic. They're pretty set at second with uh, Jazz Chisholm. Second, Miguel Rojas has been solid for a few years for them. Stallings has been pretty terrible. Jesus Aguilar has been average-ish. But again, looking for what what gets this deal across, you have to find someone who's a legit centerpiece. And that's, that is really the struggle. Like, are you going to... Who is that, you know, outfielder? And or, you know, a power-hitting left-handed bat. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, Nolan Jones. We'll start there. He can be an outfielder on the corners, and he's a potential middle-of-the-order left-handed bat. Uh, we're still 46 points away in value. How about Ty Freeman? You know, he is also blocked. He could be another left-handed middle. It could be the three- and four-hitter of the future for the Marlins. Still a 33.6. Still need another 24 in value. And I know what you're thinking. Will Brennan, Will Brennan, again, has been updated. He's worth one. He's worth as much as Luke Maley. And this, I guess, kind of comes to my point. How much I love Stephen Kwan. Love him to death. If you think that, like, Will Brennan is going to be the next step up, that he is going to be very similar in value, then if you trade Stephen Kwan and Tyler Freeman... It is a 1.5 overpay by the Guardians. I'm not saying I do it, but it is exactly the type of uh, trade to talk about that makes you uncomfortable enough to know it's probably a decent offer. And I know what you're saying. The Guardians have pitching. It's right there. Gavin Williams uh, in two years. Espino, like now, but Espino's hurt. And you, you never know who, what's going to happen. I'm still waiting on Adam Miller. Peyton Beatonfield, I think we all thought would be ready by now. It just hasn't happened for his numbers have regressed in AAA. Again, that park, though, makes it impossible to properly evaluate anyone. It's rough. Still, let me know what you think. How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to trade to add You know, a starter that you'd have four years of control who'd be the, easily the third best starter on this team? Uh, what are you willing to trade to get a catcher that is a massive improvement so we don't have another situation like today's game? I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It always helps. We passed 300 subscribers. Happy dance. Let's keep going. Let's get four next. Uh, I, I love all the fans who are also kind in the interactions and comments. I appreciate you all. And as I end every show, uh, as I have a baby waking over here, go, go, Guardians, go.